Well, I hope you'll be in prayer uh, again this morning, as we've already mentioned, and that uh, God would bless us uh, as we uh, gather together here, and that we might be able to find some things in His Word that would uh, uh, that would uh, comfort us and cheer us along the along the way. Uh, this whole world has been, as has been mentioned this morning, uh, uh, many tragic things seem to be going on around about us. The, uh, as the Bible talks about that in the last days, evil men will wax worse and worse. Uh, we see evil men waxing worse and worse, uh, and more and more tragedy coming into the to the nation that we live in, and uh, especially when we think about those that would uh, somehow get it in their crazy, sick minds that it's somehow they're going to solve some great problem by uh, marching into a store of some kind and start shooting people. So we need to be in prayer for our for the people of this nation uh, and for those that. Uh, uh, need to have need to have more compassion on the problems and troubles that we all face. So, uh, I hope that uh, as we gather together this morning, like I said, that you'll be in prayer for me. Uh, I'd like to take a, a look at some thoughts that uh, that uh, that I've had uh, in the last few days, and just think about some things from God's Word. Uh, as we do, I want to turn over as a place to begin in First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, for those of you that, uh, well, we'll read we'll read a portion of the scripture, uh, and then, uh, as you know, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is about the resurrection. Uh, but the thought that I would like to gather out of this for this morning is uh, is found in at the end of one of the verses here that we will that we will read down to uh, <clears throat> in the first Corinthians chapter fifteen he 's talking about uh, again as I said the resurrection and talking about what Christ has accomplished that Christ in verse twenty three it says uh, that Christ is the first fruits of uh, afterwards they that are Christ at His coming. Talk about <coughs> talk about the fact, fact that Christ is the first fruits of them that sleep. Christ is the first one to come forth from the from the tomb uh, in a body alive. Uh, and uh, one of these days we're going to come forth from the from the grave alive, and we're going to have a body that's going to be glorified. Uh, but Christ was the first one to come back from the dead uh, and remain alive. I'm going to, I'll put it like that. And we can go and look and we can find in scripture, you know, if, if we're not clear sometimes on what we say, somebody said, well, now wait a minute. Lazarus was raised from the dead and we can go back in Elijah's day and Elijah went into the widow's house and he laid on the little boy, her little boy that had passed away and uh, he came back to life. And we could go to the time when Jesus was uh, met the funeral buyer that was coming out of the city of Nazareth and he put his hands on the funeral buyer and the little boy came up and Elijah, well, there's other people been resurrected from the dead, yes, but they all died. <laughs> uh, Jesus is the first fruits of them that slept in the fact that he came forth from the grave and lived and never died. And we will one of these days uh, have that same experience uh, uh, in our lives. And he says uh, in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, uh, talking about what Christ will do. He says, Then cometh in, Christ being the first fruits, and afterwards they that are Christ at His coming. Then cometh in when He shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father which He, which he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Now, uh, I can make a kingdom comment here for just a moment. I guess the Bible talks about here in this verse, in verse 24, that at the end Christ is going to deliver up the kingdom. Uh, you know, a lot of people seem to think the kingdom is coming 
coming down. Uh, but Christ is going. The Bible says He's going to deliver it up. So uh, I'll take His. I'll take the Apostle Paul's word for that, and uh, trust Him that He knows uh, what He's uh, what He's speaking of. And says, and even the Father, when He shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for He must reign till He hath put all enemies under His feet. And that last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, we know that Christ proved that he conquered death on the cross. And when he came forth from the tomb, he showed that he had power over death. But death is finally going to be conquered when death shall be no more. Uh, And that uh, he says this last enemy that's going to be put down is going to be death. Uh, And he says, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he, saith all, when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest or revealed that he, that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. So if every power, and we'll look at some other verses that kind of talk about this, Christ has power over every dominion, over every principle, over every spirit, over, uh, over, even over death, the final enemy that's to be faced. And it says the fact that God put all things under his feet, it's manifest or revealed that Christ is accepted with him. Uh, I think it also uh, shows that Christ's uh, work on the cross was accepted in the fact that he came forth from the tomb. It proves that God was accepted. Uh, approved of what he had, had accomplished. And it says in verse 28, When all things shall be subdued under him, then shall, the son, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. I want us to think for a little bit this morning, if we can, uh, and I'd like to take a look at that phrase, that God is our all in all. Uh, in other words, God is our everything. Uh, I, you know, it, when, I, when, you, when you think about things, y'all, y'all may have some of this kind of stuff go through your head from time to time. Uh, but as I, sometimes when I'm meditating and thinking upon scriptures and thinking about something like this, you think, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean? He's our all in all. And, and so from there, I transition to thinking, well, he's our everything. And then, of course, then, then uh, Barry White's song from, from back in the 70s comes to mind. You're, you're my first, my last, my everything. You know, and I'm like, okay. So, uh, you know, I have these foolish thoughts that go through my brain. Uh, for, but, uh, but then I thought about, you know, think about what old uh, uh, Mr., Mr. Barry White wrote there. Uh, the Bible says, says uh, uh, he is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And he's our everything. He's our all in all. So uh, if we think about that for a little while this morning, the question, the question, one of the questions I have this morning for us is uh, as we go through day to day, do we really think about God is our all in all? He's our everything. Uh, do, do we love him and adore him? Do we think about him being our everything. He is, he is the reason for everything. And, uh, and I, so then my, my brain goes to thinking a little, a little more. So what does it mean to say God is our everything? Well, let's just let's begin by going uh, to First John, uh, not First John, John chapter 1. And let's, let's go uh, to a couple of verses here uh, that, that begin some of this. Uh, this morning. He says, "In, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and we know the Word was Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. Uh, Christ was there, you know, for 
for people that would try to, uh, and, and people have taught all, taught all kinds of crazy and weird things over the years. Uh, some people say, have taught over the years that Christ came into existence when he was born uh, of, a, uh, of a virgin in, uh, in uh, Bethlehem. Uh, but the Bible tells us that he was in the beginning. He was before the beginning. Uh, and in the beginning was the word. And, and I'm going to say in, when it says in the beginning was the word, that's not only going back to the beginning of the world, but we could also go back before the beginning of the world that the word was there. We know the word was there when God said, let there be light. And the word went forth and created everything that was created. So in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Without him, without without the Word, without Jesus Christ, uh, and I'm going. Y'all will probably hear me say this uh, several times as we go through this. Without our all in all, nothing was made that was made. So when you and I uh, sit around here in the when we get up in the morning, so let's, let's start in a place in the when we get up in the morning and we're breathing air. God made the air. <clears throat> When we get up in the morning and we see the light of another day, God made the light of another day. When we see the stars that are shining in the sky at night, uh, our God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, we'll read some more verses that go with that uh, in, a little, in just a moment. When we see the stars that are in the sky, our God made the stars that are in the skies and even the ones that we can't see with our, with our eyes at night, God made it all. So when we, uh, when we think about Christ being and God being our all in all, uh, I want us to think just how far that goes, okay? And just what it means to say God is all in all in everything for us. Uh, we couldn't breathe without God. Uh, we couldn't uh, have the light of another day. Uh, we couldn't have the, uh, uh, the, uh, the light of a night, the moon that shines by night. God created everything. Uh, and not only that, We'll carry it another step. Uh, we'll, let's, go, let's go read one more verse that relates to that. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1 for just a moment uh, this morning. And let's just read here again what the Word of God says. Because uh, this being our all in all carries to, uh, to, many, to many realms uh, here this morning. It says uh, <clears throat> in Col- Colossians chapter 1, First of all, and this will touch over into some other areas where he is our all in all. But in verse 13, it says, talking about Christ, uh, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. That's verse 15. Verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, things that you can see and things that you can't see, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, for he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So everything that you can think of that's ever been created, 
God created, and he created it for himself, uh, for his own pleasure and for his own purposes. Uh, God created the things that are both seen and unseen. Today, uh, as people take the telescopes and continue to look out into outer space, they continue to see things that are out there that they didn't know were there 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 100 years ago. Uh, as they take the microscopes and they they developed, you know, back in my day, you had these little microscopes in the, that you could look down in with shine the light on something. You could see little uh, uh, amoebas or something down there that you couldn't normally see uh, any other way without looking through the mic, but now they have these electron microscopes and all kinds of things that can see things that are thousands and thousands and thousands of microns below what uh, is visible with the visible eye. And so the Bible tells us uh, here in the very uh, word that was written some 2,000 years ago that God created all things visible and invisible and by him all things consist. What amazing! What an amazing word of God that we have. So he tells us that... Uh, you know he's the creator. Without him, uh, we could turn over to uh, uh, to Acts chapter seventeen, uh, and we'd find a portion of scripture there uh, that kind of gives another uh, look at. And we may come back to Acts seventeen a little bit later. But here in uh, here in Acts seventeen, it tells it tells us in verse twenty eight. Uh, to he, uh, the uh, the scene of Acts seventeen is the Apostle Paul in Athens, Greece standing on Mars Hill, talking to those people about all their gods that they had and all the statues they had to every god. And now he's talking to them about this unknown god uh, that created all things, that uh, created both the light and the dark and all those things that are there. And it says in verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. So in him we live and move and actually have our being. And I'm going to carry that even a step further. Let's turn over to, uh, to the book of Psalms uh, here this morning. Let's turn to Psalm 1, what is it, 120 something, 127. Psalm 127. Uh, and of course there, there's a lot of expression here in Psalm 127, but there's one part of this <clears throat> that I want to get to. Uh, he tells us that, uh, first of all, that except the Lord build a house, we lay the, 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 the house they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the city or keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Uh, so uh, the, all of our efforts are vain if God's not with us, right? I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Whether you're trying to build a house, you're trying to build, a, uh, you know, and we can spiritualize that house. Uh, but I'll just say, whatever you're doing, if it's a watchman trying to keep watch over a city, God needs to be with you. And I'll tell you, uh, as we look at our nation today and pe- talking about the things that are going on in our country today, I'll tell you, except God keep the city, except God keep the country, except the people turn back to God and repent and beg him to come back and uh, glo- make this country a glorious country again, except he do that, uh, it's all vain. It's all empty. And so he says, it's vain to rise up early in the early or uh, to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. Uh, <clears throat> he said, it's an empty waste of your time. To get up early and uh, sit around, sit up late and to be worried all the time. Eating, be worried about everything that's going on. He says, it's vain, it's empty. 
Uh, some people say, I couldn't sleep last night. I, got, I woke up and I got to thinking about this problem and I, I just couldn't go back to sleep. And then some people, on the other hand, say, I couldn't go to sleep last night. I just had this problem on my mind. And the Bible says it's vain to do that. It's vain to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Uh, you can sit around and worry about all the things. You can add all the gray hair. You can have it all fall out, whichever it is. Uh, and uh, but I'll tell you, you'll not you're sitting around worrying about it won't change a single thing. You need to be in prayer about it. Uh, be in prayer. If you, there's something you can do about it, go do something about it. But otherwise, sitting up late, rising up early and worried about it doesn't change a thing. <laughs> so he says, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. Now we're going we're gonna to take this thing just a little step further uh, here in, uh, in, uh, in what God is doing. We already talked about God created the heavens, the earth, the air that we breathe, the sunlight that blesses us each and every day. I telling, telling Doris this morning or maybe last night uh, when, I was in, when I was in Africa, I didn't have many days. I, I started to add it up one time, but if I was on the ground 14 days in Africa, uh, we preached at least 12 of them. Uh, I mean, during that time, we were not over there uh, vacationing, partying, and having some big time. And what time we were, maybe uh, occasionally in our room, there was one day that we were there in Dar es Salaam, and I was telling her we, we had uh, uh, church that night or that afternoon or something. And so, <clears throat> you know, it's not like we're out roaming around. I, I'm sitting in my room, I'm reading, you know. And I realize I'm in this room, and uh, there's a fluorescent bulb in there that has just one of these screw-in fluorescent bulbs in it. Uh, and that's all that's in the, in the room that, that I'm in. And I'm like, after a, few, after a little while of sitting there reading, and so I'm like, not only is it hard to see, uh, hard, to, hard to, you know, you've got enough light, but not too much light. And, and after a while, I'm realizing, like, I'm sitting in a room, and, it, and so I go over to the, to, and I pull the curtain back, and I'm like, I don't care if everybody out there sees me. I need some sunlight in my life. <laughs> I need some sunshine shining in this room, not only lighting up the pages, but lighting me up. Amen. I needed some sunshine to light me up, and I'll tell you, we need some sunshine called Jesus Christ to light up our lives too. So he says, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Uh, the, the, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Now, there's a, there's a double comment in that, uh, I think. Uh, you know, a mighty man back in those days, a man that could wield the bow and arrow and put it on its mark and take care of killing the, the game and the food that they needed or take care of protecting the city was considered a man. And David, you know, David had men that worked for him that were mighty men uh, that helped defend Israel and fight battles, and they were skilled archers at what they did. That, that was valuable, extremely valuable. And he says, children are in heritage of the Lord. Children are a blessing from God. Do we, and we need to see that children are a blessing from God. Uh, and we need to treat them that way. And he says, uh, uh, as, uh, uh, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. God blesses uh, the womb to bring forth children. 
uh, we can go back and look at many times on occasions where there were women in the Old Testament scriptures, whether it's Hannah or whether it was Rebecca up for a number of years in her life or whether it was uh, John the Baptist's mother uh, and others that are li- listed throughout scripture, there were women that were not able to have children until God blessed their womb and they had a child. So the fruit of the womb, the Bible says, is a, is a gift of, is from the Lord. It's His reward. And He says, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Uh, the arrow goes where the mighty man points it to. And so uh, as fathers and as parents, the Bible says... As arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. And, and uh, you know, so the point of that being, uh, several points that you can point them in the right direction or you can point them in the wrong direction. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. We need to be careful where we're pointing them. <laughs> uh, as, as fathers, as parents, as, uh, as mothers, as, uh, we need to be careful which way we're pointing the arrow. Are we pointing them in the right direction? Are we pointing them in the wrong direction? Because they're just arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And so he says, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. God, if, you've, if you've been blessed with children, God has blessed you. And he says, happy <clears throat> is the man that hath has his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. So the fruit of the womb is the reward of God. Children are a blessing from God. And so I say all that to bring, to bring out the point that uh, let's think about life. We talk about breathing the air. The fact that we're here is a blessing from God. Uh, you say, well, Brother Charles, you don't know how I was brought into this world and what was done. I'm going to tell you, it was a blessing from God. The fruit of the womb is, is a reward, is, is, a, is a blessing from God. And so we need to look at life, the very gift, the very natural gift. See, this carries it over to a new meaning. We talk about how uh, the fact that uh, salvation is by grace and that God, uh, through His sovereign power, through the Holy Spirit, comes upon us, rests upon us, and gives us the new birth. And we say, all glory be to God. But do we stop and pause for a minute and say, all glory to God for the fact I'm here. It was a blessing to my parents, to someone along the way, to my mom and my dad, that I'm actually here in a living, breathing person. It's a gift from God. Wow. He is our all in all. It, it caught life. He is the giver of life. Life comes from him. Life is a blessing from him. Now, and that's whether we're talking natural life or spiritual life. It's a blessing from God. So sometimes we, we can't fathom in our little tiny minds uh, sometimes how life comes into existence. And we say, well, surely that wasn't a blessing from God. I'm going to tell you it was a blessing from God. We go back in the Old Testament scriptures and we look how life was brought forth on occasions to, ca- to carry forth the lineage of, uh, of our Savior. And, and we find a man uh, by the name of Judah going, going into his daughter-to-law and having a child. Now, he didn't know it was his daughter-to-law at the time. Uh, she was deceiving him. Uh, uh, but uh, we look and say, that's terrible. God used that and blessed it to bring continue the lineage that led to the Messiah. We look at a lady by the name of Rahab the harlot who ended up being uh, uh, the uh, the mother of a man by the name of Boaz. 
uh, who was a, uh, a lot of times people say, oh, these young ladies, they just want to find their Boaz. They want to find this man that's such, such a blessing to them. Uh, yes, but do they want a mother-in-law by the name of Rahab? Uh, you know, and, and so so do we see how God works and carries on things many times in in, 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 in our lives and how uh, uh, the very even life, natural life, is a blessing from God. So when we get up, when you get up in the morning and you take a breath of that air and you open your eyes and you see the light of another day, remember that it's part of that gift, part of these gifts that you have from your all in all. You know, the uh, Brother Bryce does some does some things. Sometimes he'll have us when we're up at our up at singing school in the in the in the uh, in June and. Uh, Victoria's been up there, you know, and on a certain day, you know, he's, she's been up there this this past week, you know, and I'll almost bet he did this. At some point during the week, he had him get up and shake and do and try to get all these old dirty molecules and he'd just have us jump around and he'd say, you know what that feeling is? It means you're alive. <laughs> That's, so when you get up in the morning and you feel your fingers and you feel your toes and you breathe in the air and you see the light of another day, it means you're alive. <clears throat> and that gift, that life that we have is a gift and a blessing from God. It's all, it, it all is a blessing from Him. So, uh, so the, we can't even begin to think, much less get, get to the place now, you know, where we're going here maybe in just shortly, and think about the fact that we have salvation, uh, deliverance from our sins, and salvation from our sins in and through Him. And we say, well, that's a gift from God. Yes, it's a gift from God. Life was a gift from God to start with. So God, God blesses us with life naturally. He blesses us with life spiritually. Let's turn over, if we can, because I gave you one verse. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read the last. <laughs> I'm going to read the, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I'm going to read the last first uh, of the uh, first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Let's turn over there real quickly. In Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to give you the summary of the end of this chapter and, and kind of read, give you kind of what he's taught, what's going on here. But Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Uh, and, uh, and as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus uh, and telling them what God has done for them. God has blessed them. Uh, and he's telling them about the blessings that they have in Christ Jesus. And, uh, and, as he, and as he gets down into the middle portion of that first chapter, he says... He says, I've heard of your faith at Ephesus. And since, I, since I've heard of your faith, verse 16, he says, I cease not to, make, uh, to, give, to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So these people have been born of the Spirit of God. And now Paul is pray, says, since he's heard of their faith and their belief in God, he ceases not to pray for them that God would give them knowledge, not just give, give them life, but give them knowledge of the life that God has given them, that they would have that God would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding, verse 18, may be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what, are the, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe 
Now, this this verse of scripture, when you if you stop and focus on it for a minute, it'll just kind of flip you out a little bit. Okay, uh, verse nineteen. What is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, usward who believe? And then He says, comma, according to the working of His mighty power. So He just told us that our belief is the work of His power. Okay, uh, according to the work of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him on His own right hand in heavenly places. This gets back to this all power being put under him. Far that he set him on the right on his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. There's that word again. He's the one that feels the fullness, and, and which, is a, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So Christ is the one that fills up our all in all, and he is the fullness of him that fills our all in all, which is God, our all in all. So, so uh, he's everything. He's the one that blesses us here uh, naturally with natural life. And then Paul has just laid out this whole exhortation in chapter 1 telling us that he's also the one uh, that fills up our, our all in all in our spiritual life. And we'll go back and we'll look at that maybe in just a minute. If we if we turn over to the book of John for just, again, for a minute this, this morning, we would find over there... And from a, from a natural standpoint, and I'll just go to one that's maybe more obvious to start with. But in the 14th chapter of the book of John, we find there Jesus talking to his apostles on the on the night before he uh, was to uh, uh, to go to the cross. Uh, he's just had his last supper. He's just had uh, washed his disciples' feet. He's just given them that new commandment that they're to love one another uh, uh, as he has loved them, uh, so that everyone would know that they're his disciples indeed. Uh, and he and he goes down and tells them he's going away. Uh, of course, Thomas wants to know where he's going. He says, I, I, so I can go. Uh, and, and Jesus tells him uh, uh, in verse 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is not only the way to heaven, he's the truth about everything that's ever been uh, been spoken, uh, but he's also uh, uh, the very life that we enjoy, both naturally and spiritually. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's a number of statements that are made in the, in the book of John about Jesus being that great I am. He, uh, where he talks about, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door, he says on one occasion. And uh, I am the bread of life. All of these things talking about who he is and what he is. So again, he is our all in all. Uh, if we think about what we need to be sustained from day to day, uh, he sustained the children of Israel in the wilderness because he was the bread of life to them. He was that manna that they ate every day uh, being manifest to them. And he says, I'm the true bread. He says, you talk about the bread that Moses gave you, but he says, I'm the true bread which came down from heaven. So even in the, even in the Old Testament scriptures, we have a picture of Jesus Christ as that bread which came down from heaven every day and fed them naturally. And now we get a picture of him telling us in the New Testament, 
I'm the bread of life. I'm the true bread. I'm the bread that came down. Not only did I sustain you in the wilderness, but I'm going to sustain you in this life and in the life to come because I'm the bread. I'm the true bread. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he gives us all of these pictures to tell us, I'm, your, I'm the creator I created heaven and earth. I created man uh, in my in my own image. Uh, I created. I took of the man. And I made the woman. Uh, they're together. The fruit of their womb was blessed to bring forth life because I blessed them. I blessed them to have children, uh, and so uh, uh, natural life comes and proceeds from him. And we and we see this. Uh, maybe the greatest example of this is to go over there into the story which you've heard me tell. Hundreds of times probably here at this place. But the fact that he's the source of life is not brought out any clearer than it is in the story of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Sarah, who was whose womb was dead, the Bible says. Uh, she was past childbearing age. And Abraham also being old and past childbearing time. Uh, he opened up her womb and blessed them as an old couple of age 100 and age 90 to have a child. And God, God proved to Abraham that he was the source of life. Uh, and, as, and as we look over there in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the story continues on, he takes this child. God says, I want you to take your son, your only son. I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah. And I want you to sacrifice him there to me. Well, God had already told him that in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And he wasn't talking about Ishmael. He was talking about Isaac. And Isaac shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Abraham, the Bible tells us, reason from that, uh, as he's thinking about, God has now told me to go and take the life of this one that shouldn't even be here to start with by nature speaking. It shows God has power to give life and to bring forth life from a dead from a dead thing. And so God, so Abraham then turned around and reasons, if I take his life and I follow his commandment, God is able to take that dead thing and raise him up again. And then Hebrews, the apostle there tells us in Hebrews that in that day, Abraham saw Jesus Christ's day. He saw one that was able to bring from death to life uh, and, resur- and be resurrected. And so uh, Abraham saw that God was the source of life, naturally speaking. Uh, and, and we also see God as the source of life, spiritually speaking, uh, that, he's that he is that source of life. So we turn back over to that first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a chapter that sometimes we look at and say, well, it's just so doctrinal and all it teaches is this. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a chapter that points to our all. All in all. Uh, He tells us here, the Apostle Paul writing now to these people that he had heard of their faith and he's writing to them. In fact, uh, I'm I'm guessing he wrote this letter back to them. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter... uh, beginning with Acts chapter uh, 19, 19, 20 along in there, that Paul spent something like two and a half years at Ephesus teaching them. 
teaching them day to day to day to day. And finally the time comes when the Lord by the Spirit of God directs Paul that it's time to leave Ephesus. And he calls the elders of that area together and he tells them, you know, the the famous uh, that people often sometimes talk about the fact, he says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I've told you everything that I know to tell you. Uh, And then he began to to be uh, in tears and and mourn and depart depart from that place. But here in Ephesians chapter 1, as Paul is writing to these people at Ephesus, he tells them that, first of all, he tells them who he is by the, by the, by the grace and the blessing of God, that he's an apostle uh, by the will of God to the saints which are Ephesus, to the faithful in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, graced be to you. Uh, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he begins verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So now he's beginning to tell us that all of our spiritual blessings are in Christ. That all in all. That all in all that is our, our life, our being, and li- Him we live and move and have our being. Now He tells us all of our spiritual blessings are in Christ. Uh, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now He begins to say, not only were you all your spiritual blessings are in Christ, but you were chosen in Christ... Before the found, before the world was ever created, God chose you in Christ so that you would be without blame before Him, so that you should be holy, that means without sin, and without blame, without accusation, uh, so that the great accuser can't accuse you because you were in Christ and you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto Himself, the the uh, uh, as we were in Africa and I was talking to some folks over there, I, I mentioned the fact you know in the in uh, Matthew chapter five, Christ tells the people there during His in the, in the progress of the Sermon on the Mount, He says, "I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law." He came to, the Bible goes on to say, he came to fulfill the law to a jot and to a tittle, to, a, to the very minorest letter and to the very minorest punctuation point. He says, I came to fulfill the law in every part, every action, every deed. <coughs> and then we read over here in something like Ephesians where he says, he chose us in Christ that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then he says, he predestinated us under the adoption of children <clears throat> by Jesus Christ unto himself, uh, Jesus, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Because he chose to do that. When people, when sometimes when people say, well, you think that God chose a people? Well, why would he do that? Because it pleased him to do so. Right. 
because it was according to the good pleasure of His will. And and I'm not going. And, uh, and in spite of what has been railed at uh, sometimes at the at the PBs in years past, uh, I'm going to say if you don't get it, I want you to get this: that they're out of every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. And when John saw the multitudes that were before the throne of God, they were without number, numberless uh, as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. So the number of people that Christ died for on the cross are without counting. They're beyond measure. And so when he tells us here that he did this, he didn't do some little group of people over here somewhere. He did a great innumerable host of people. And I'll tell you, when I was when I was in Dar es Salaam, and I, I, I wrote this back, and some of y'all saw this, but I, uh, when people sometimes doubt the power of God and, and where God has people, I'm going to tell you during the time we were there, there were 11 people joined the church and were baptized in Dar es Salaam, and three of them were Muslims former Muslims. One of them was a young lady who, who attended the, the church there at Dar es Salaam for the first time on Saturday night while we were there. She came back on Sunday, heard the second set of messages that she had ever heard uh, in, in the church at Dar es Salaam, joined the church and was baptized that day. Knowing that as a Muslim, as from a Muslim family, she's leaving behind her family and the family will not have anything to do with her again. But she heard the message and believed and came forward. Now, now, friends, that, that just goes to show God has a people among every kindred, tongue, and nation to tribe on the face of the earth. And uh, sometimes what they need is they need to hear the message uh, we weren't preaching some great doctrinal message that those days. Brother Paul was preaching some things. And I was preaching about how we need to love one another. Same things y'all have heard me preach on here in the last number of months. Same message. And somehow it takes and turns her heart because the power of the Holy Spirit was working in her. That's what it was. It wasn't, you know, there's one thing I learned, another one of those things I learned during the time that I was there. Some of you saw my, my message on Facebook and you look and say, how many people were baptized during the time that we were there in two weeks period? And I'm, I'm going to tell you, the number that joined and or were baptized was, when I added up, was 48. Uh, we had said 46, but I think when the total number comes around, you know what? And there's something I know about all this. I'm not that good, Okay. All right, y'all say, yeah, we know, Brother Charles. <laughs> You're not that good. But I will tell you, God is that good. God is that good. And you've got a people over there that are hearing the Word of God and hungering for it and want it. I mean, they're, they're, they're after it. When you get a people in the middle of a dry desert, deserty looking cornfield to come out in the 30s and 40s in the middle of the afternoon, there's, some, there's something going on. They don't have a TV to entertain them. They don't have a radio to entertain them. They don't have... And so they hear the gospels being preached out here and they go to hear what's being said. Amazing, right? Amen. Amen. So... Whew, boy, time's getting gone. <laughs> so, he, so he tells us, so he tells us here, this all in all tells us that he predestinated us to the adoption of children. Why? Because the law says, the Old Testament law says that for somebody to redeem someone... It had to be a near kinsman that had the price and was willing to pay the price. You go back, you go back and read the book of, book of Ruth, 
about Ruth and Boaz. The problem with, with Naomi, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law, was she, she, her and her husband and her sons had left that country and left their land behind. And when Ruth and, and when the husband and the sons had all died over there in Moab and they came back uh, to, uh, to this little town there, this area where they, in Bethlehem, it was Bethlehem, where they had, been, where they had lived, their land was gone. They had no land and they had no men to help, help farm any land for them. Now, that, now, women in the Old Testament, they were in bad shape. And, and Ruth goes to Boaz, which is a near kinsman to their, to their family, and begins to glean in their fields. And, and Boaz takes notice of her. And Boaz begins to uh, 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 have affection toward her and, and uh, wants to do something for her, but finds out he's not the near kinsman. So he goes to the near kinsman and asks him, he says, Will you redeem Naomi and her daughter-in-law and their land for them? And he says, No, I, I will not do that. So you had a near kinsman who had, had maybe the ability but lacked the willingness. So then Boaz becomes the near kinsman that has the price that's willing. Uh, you say, well, why are you telling all this? This fits the laws of redemption laid out in the 25th chapter of the book of Leviticus. You go read it. Uh, when there was a debt that was to be paid by one of your by one of your relatives, then the near kinsman that had the price was the one that was called on to pay. <clears throat> as as natural children, we were not part of God's family. So the Bible says He predestinated us to the uh, to adoption of children by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood. We had redemption. We were redeemed. We, our price was paid. That We were bought back, redeemed by Him who was now our near kinsman because he had, we had been predestinated to be adopted into His family. He adopted us. So that the near kinsman, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our all in all, could redeem us and meet the law to a jot into a tittle. Wow. Can you imagine such great love? How we go back over and we read all those laws in the Old Testament. We say, what's that got to do with anything? Why do I need to read all this? Because then Jesus Christ comes and fulfills the law to a jot into a tittle. Our all in all, our everything our first and our last, our Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He was, he was there and blessed the fruit of the womb for our beginning. He was there when the, in the beginning when our spiritual life began. And He's going to be there in the end when He carries us home. Our first, our last, our everything. May God bless you uh, to think about and adore this one who is our all in all.